Welcome to Elder Law Issues. I'm Robert Fleming, a partner in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. One of the other partners is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. She's sitting across from me right now. And uh, Elizabeth, I thought maybe we would talk about the problem that we see with the aging of parents who have adult children with disabilities. That's a kind of a mouthful, but uh, we, we have a lot of clients who have children with disabilities. It's something we do, we specialize in is, is a, a word we're not supposed to use. It's something we do a lot of, though, uh, that we, um, we represent people whose children receive public benefits and, uh, and may require some assistance with managing the activities of daily living. As those clients get older, what do we see change? That's a great question, Robert. Well, before I answer it, I want to make two different comments. One, when we talk about disabilities, I think about this very broadly. So somebody may have a disability, like a learning disability. Um, somebody may have a physical um, disability. But we work with a lot of people who have wonderful family members that may have um, and a diagnosis of autism or may not have a diagnosis of something like autism or mental illness of some sort. Um, and so I want to be mindful that when we talk about this, uh, everybody's a little different, but I take a pretty broad view when we use the word disability. That's because I want to make sure that we are as inclusive as possible and sensitive to people and, and kind of where they're at and how they've identified an adult child who may be struggling. The second comment I would just make is that it is hard for us to guess what's going on in your household. And if you have an older child of yours that is living with you, we're not going to presume anything about that child's needs or, um, or possible limitations. We need you to inform us about that. So when we work with people on these kinds of things, Robert, to answer your original question, it can be hard to find a starting point. It can be so overwhelming for a parent or a sibling to even figure out what does the next chapter look like for this adult child um, who may be struggling with different needs that a parent or a sibling have helped address through the years in an informal way. How do we even get somebody eligible for a benefit like social security disability if there's no existing diagnosis? These are all questions that can make it hard for somebody to even begin the conversation. I don't think it's the notion that the parent may be aging or even that the parent's going to die. I, I think people, people are aware that that's what's going to happen. It's actually where to begin the conversation about making the plan that's the hardest thing to do. Your, your comment about thinking of disability very broadly is really appropriate. Uh, and in our planning, we really mean disability to include alcoholism, drug addiction, being a spendthrift, anything that means that your child or any other member of your family is really not able to manage money or manage their own life uh, is, for our purposes in this discussion, uh, disabling. And so we really want to cover all of those things. You're absolutely right. And, and the answer, the state planning answer for most of those circumstances tends to be the same, that we want to make sure that any money you leave to them is put into some kind of a trust mechanism 
Why? Well, because A, we think they're probably not able to manage the money themselves. B, having the money might disqualify them for some public benefits. And C, the person who manages the money needs to be mindful of how important it is to replace your provision of services. You're taking care of your now 40-year-old son who maybe has an autism diagnosis or developmental disability or just is unable to, to take care of their own life. You've been providing a lot of services when you die someone else is going to have to do that. And, uh, and the trust that you establish needs to be focused on making sure that there is somebody available to provide replacement services for what you're doing. And I really encourage families to consider a team approach, Robert. We can talk about special needs planning all day long. It's an incredibly expansive area of elder law and estate planning. I think it all starts with helping a family understand the resources that are available here in the Tucson community and throughout the country. In Tucson, we've got a lead of terrific case managers throughout our local area. Fleming and Curdy has four people right now on our case management team, but we often refer families to case managers that are outside of our practice who can help get a plan in place, who can help talk to a parent about working with their older child to get them to the doctor or to get them out to their day program. There are ways to start making a plan that might involve other people and not necessarily just doing an estate plan, but trying to factor in the assistance of somebody like a case manager, somebody to help you not only get a child to a doctor's appointment, but you know, organize a list of their providers figure out what is going to be the emergency protocol if there's an accident in the home, or figure out what kind of placement or lifestyle that that older child may be accustomed to and may need if they're no longer able to remain in your house with you. So there are a whole range of things that a, that a parent of a child with a disability, any disability, needs to think about as the parent ages. They range from the physical. If you're a 30-year-old with a 10-year-old child with a disability uh, and you have to lift them in and out of the car, that's one thing. When you're 50 and that child is 30, uh, it's a whole different matter to get them in and out of a car and wheelchair and and dressed and whatever, depending on the circumstances of your individual uh, uh, setting. And, uh, and you may not really think about that when you're 30. I mean, obviously you think about it, but you may not focus on what it's going to be like when you're 50. When you're 50, you may not be focusing on what it's like to be 70 and, and still doing some of those physical things. Another thing that people don't realize is something you alluded to, Elizabeth, that right now your, your son with a disability may get SSI benefits. Well, when you begin to receive Social Security, they may switch to SSD benefits. That may mean a higher income. It may mean better medical care. It may be easier access to some kinds of of medical services. It may also mean that as they're aging, they age out of some of the systems that that are there to support them. So your aging and their aging both will affect the kinds of choices you have. And of course, an important thing to keep in mind as you get older is, and, and I'm sorry to, to be a downer about this, but the older you are, the closer you are to the end of your life. And therefore, the more urgently you need to, 
to focus on these planning issues. Of course, everybody needs to plan from the beginning, from the cradle. You need to plan everything you do, but hey, that's not the way we live. As you get older, it becomes more and more important. One of the things that our, our clients don't plan for very well is the possibility that their child with a disability might not outlive them. And, uh, and I don't mean to be dark yet again, but you also need to consider that in the mix of, of things that you think about. These conversations are not easy, Robert, and what I would encourage people to do is start somewhere. Give us a call. Come on in. Let's start a conversation, and let's start learning from you what your concerns are, what your fears are, and if we can start somewhere and get some background, chances are we're going to be able to help you through this process to create a system and a plan that really makes you comfortable, and the chances are that the adult child that you're providing care for, or adult sibling, um, chances are it can be a smooth transition for them. But I know that starting the conversation can often be the hardest part. So we want to make this a place where people feel welcome to come. This is what I always call, Robert, a judgment-free zone. Just because you've been doing something some way in your particular family uh, doesn't mean that that's good or bad. It just means that that's some, something we need to know in order to be informed and make a good plan going forward. So. I want people to feel comfortable coming in and just letting us know really where they're at. Wise words. And thank you, Elizabeth. This is Robert Fleming. I've been talking with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are both partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And thank you for joining us for elder law issues in this podcast. Please check back in uh, to some of our other podcast episodes and the next one that should be coming out in a week. Talk to you then.